0: This is episode number 187 of the Rising Man Podcast with Ryan Wilcox. Chee-hoo! Welcome back, Rising Man family. Thank you for joining me here today. This is Jedi Azuma checking in behind the mic for another amazing episode of the Rising Man podcast. Before we jump into our guest for today, I want to remind you guys to head over to slash ignite to get yourself enrolled in our 12 week course. This course is all about getting more clear on your purpose, identifying the foundational elements of establishing the man that you want to be. If you're not clear on your values, if you're not clear on the elements of your childhood and your upbringing that have led Led you to become the man that you are. First, you gotta identify that. You gotta know who you are. You gotta go back and excavate those dark and uncomfortable places so that you can be the contribution that you're meant to be in the world. And ignite is the perfect way to do that. So, if you haven't done that already, make sure you go to risingman.org/ignite and get yourself enrolled today. All right, our guest for today is Ryan Wilcox. He is the current head fire chief for our Rising Man Fire Circle community and an apprenticing guide for Compass. He began his journey into men's work by traveling nomadically in a sprinter van for two years. Having tremendous resistance to growing up, as he puts it, Ryan is a real and relatable example for any man challenged by the transition into identifying purpose and stepping forward into responsibility. Ryan is currently on a mission to become a wilderness guide and taking men out into the wilderness so they can understand the wilderness, and the unknown inside of themselves. In this episode, Ryan dropped by Rising Man headquarters to share his story and journey from boyhood to manhood. We first spoke about his relationship with his father and witnessing manhood through the lens of one man. We talked about the importance of having other men in our lives at a young age so we can see a more complete spectrum of what manhood can look like. Ryan walked us through his journey away from the islands back to mainland USA in his pursuits to fall back in love with where he comes from. We talked about why all young men ought to take a journey to a foreign place in order to learn more about themselves. And lastly, we wrapped up by reviewing the last two years of Ryan's journey in the Rising Man community and how he ascended from men's work novice to head fire chief. All this and more, but without further ado, Ryan Wilcox. All right, Rising Man family, I've got another man here joining us today for what I know is going to be an interesting conversation. Here we are live in Rising Man headquarters with Mr. Ryan Wilcox. How are you doing today, bro?
1: Oh, so good.
0: This has been, uh, in my mind, a long time coming since before I even met you, actually. So it's mm-hmm. exciting. It has been a long time coming. I think we were probably talking about having this conversation eight months ago. Something like that. When did you finish your trip, your bike trip? November, yeah. November, yeah. So here we are, almost 10 months ago, almost a year <laughs> ago. But here we are, having this conversation now. And for starters, I want to guess your opinion on what do you think it means to be a man?
1: Ooh. <laughs> Hot out of the gate. <laughs> how did I forget that this was how the conversation opened? <laughs> right now, to me, to be a man really means to open my heart and be of service. I've spent a lot of time focusing on myself and it's been really beautiful a lot of insights a lot of growth has come from that and the world is asking me or the whatever we want to say I feel is asking me to step up and to provide
0: for those around me we'll leave it at that for now okay so let's go to when you were growing up what did you think it meant to be a man because it sounds like that's a refined definition of manhood To be honest, I didn't want to be a man growing up. I saw
1: role models that I had who were men and it just looked like hard work all the time. (laughs) You know, I'm I'm a playful, joyful soul and that didn't really resonate with me. The way that my dad took care of the family was really wonderful and everything that I've gotten is a result of that. But the way I have witnessed it affect him in his life was not super encouraging. It makes me think of
0: uh,
1: Captain Hook and Peter Pan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, so let's talk about that a little bit more. You said it looked like it was hard work. What specifically did you see, and how did you interpret what you saw from your dad and from other men when you were a kid? I
1: just remember waking
0: up every morning to him leaving and
1: mm-hmm. coming home after it was dark. Dinner was already ready. He'd come and sit and join us, and we'd eat and talk about the day and move forward like that, but it wasn't, you know... Didn't have that connection throughout the day. And I'm super lucky. Like my parents chose their own hours. So I got to see him a lot more than I'm assuming many other people get to see their fathers, their parents. Mm -hmm. And even still, I I saw him as a workaholic, as somebody who put a lot into his business, his whole life, into his business, into his family. So that ultimately so that I didn't have to do those kind of things.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I had a very similar experience. My dad growing up. And and I held on to that story for a long time, especially once I became an adult myself. I really felt like i not. I don't want to do it the way my dad did it. I don't want to. I don't want to be that dad who you know leaves in the morning just in time to see his kids wake up, and then comes home at night to have dinner and see him go to bed. And that's how it was for me early on with my first child. I was he was barely waking up when he was a to- when he was an infant when I was leaving the house, and sometimes I would get home just before he was getting ready to go to bed. So, I think it's interesting because, like you said, the two of us, even though our fathers were working really hard and weren't around during the middle of the day, were also very fortunate. In the grand scheme of things, when it comes to the presence of a father, we, we had it pretty good. <laughs> There's a lot of people who had zero fatherly presence in their lives. And when I think about this, it brings up this concept of uncling. The uncles, the value of uncles, other men around who can fill in the gaps when fathers are doing their other responsibilities, because it's a great fantasy to imagine that we could have our fathers around all day long to take us hunting in the woods and to teach us about life and to be there every moment of every day. But it's just not reality. It's not reality for most of us. I'm sure there's some people out there who have that version of a father. But I also don't think it prepares a boy to become a man to only have one example of manhood and masculinity. So were there other men that helped to fill in some of those gaps or was it pretty much just your dad?
1: In the household, it was pretty much just my dad. You know, my brother's two years older than me. So I looked up to him in a big role model way, but he wasn't that much farther along in life than I was. Mm-hmm. So a lot of my influences actually came from him and his friends. mm mm-hmm. And that's where I learned how to be, quote, unquote, a man from was my older sibling influences. Mm -hmm. As far as uncles go, the only thing that I can really think about is the fathers of my fellow Boy Scouts community Mm -hmm. and my nanny slash, like, the adults in the church community. But it's, you know... With church, it was once a week I saw them. With Boy Scouts, it was maybe twice a week I saw them. Right. So nothing consistent.
0: Right, right. And and not nearly enough time to build up the kind of trust that's needed for a child to really lean on an adult, mm. to tell them about what's going on. It's such a foundational piece of why we, my wife and I raise our kids the way we do, because we believe that. We don't want our children to only have myself and her as examples of what it means to be a man and what it means to be a woman. Because if they did, then we would just be making carbon copies of ourselves and all the ineffective ways of being a man or being a woman are going to come through in addition to all of the positive ways. But to get a full spectrum, a full portrait, a full example of different ways to be a man and to be able to choose that from the type of people you spend your time around is something I think that's really important. And oftentimes what you're describing is exactly the case that we have one or two or a couple of people who serve as that example, but everyone else is very distant. Even like you said, the, the boy scout leaders of the boy scout troop, they were men in your life, but you were only seeing them once a week at most. So it really, I think it reflects this ineffective pattern. Of course you wouldn't want to be inspired to, to walk this path of manhood. If the one example you had was of your father, never being around, that doesn't really sound very inviting. And so carrying this conversation forward, I know that you and I have similar stories in terms of going out and looking for something else, knowing that, okay, well, this can not be everything, so I've gotta go looking for more, more information, more experience to see, well, what does it mean to be a man? And I'm, I'm interested in the very beginning of that journey for you. How did you fall into it, or did you go looking for it?
1: yeah you know one i just want to say i love the way that your family operates you know i get to be in close contact with that and be one of these uncles that you talk about and mm. what i see in that is the autonomy for the child to decide what traits they want to pick up from from who around them rather than what you said the carbon copy aspect of things for me the journey into manhood didn't really start until like 22 years old so seven years ago now. I just remember I was in Los Angeles with a friend on vacation and we just had such a great, fun day hanging out at the beach, having drinks, having smokes, you know, like, what 22-year-old guys do. And I sat down, ready to go to bed on the couch that I was staying on for the weekend and my heart just started leaping out of my chest and I had no idea what was going on but I just sat there with it and the the Mulan song to be a man was playing in my mind. And it got me thinking like, dude, I'm 22 years old and I don't know what it is to be a man. Like, where am I? What am I doing? And why am I doing these things? And I didn't have an answer. And that scared me a mm. lot. I searched for the next five years for what manhood means to me, stumbling over myself and you know, looking for examples of the people that I had already known. But likewise, everywhere I looked, I saw the same thing is a lot of men out there trying to make an honest living for the people that they loved and not having enough time for themselves or having enough time for the people that they love. Mm -hmm. So I don't really know when that all shifted. But I got into a beautiful situation where I started living in a van and kind of, considered it the cocoon for myself and through this cocoon and I started to read self-development books and put them into practice and started to really gain a grasp on what it means to be Orion, to be me, and then saw where I was at from a deeper lens. And then now I had a place to start moving from. Before that it was just up in
0: the air. so. First of all, what inspired you to go out and live in the van? Just tell us a little bit about that. Because that's not that's not an ordinary... I think more, more and more these days, that's something that people are inspired to do. Is like, I'm just going to get out of here. But get in a van, and I know you tricked it out and designed it, built it out for yourself. And then going, what sparked that idea?
1: Yeah, I started to do all the things that I thought it meant to be a man. So mm-hmm. I glazed over this part of the story for time sensitivity. But realizing this is pretty important. I was on the path that I thought I needed to be on. I had a great job, one that I had kept for seven years, something I had never done before in my life. Doing what? I was working at an event company, so pretty much everything from Mm -hmm. screwing in things on a stage to bartending to managing and telling people which ways to go. It was one of my favorite jobs I've I've ever had. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was making really great money doing it. I was living in my own place at the top of like the penthouse penthouse in the townhouse that I was living in. I had like aquariums with little eels in them. This, An Acura, like driving around a fancy car. And I was like, what do I need now? Like I got everything that a human being could ever want. What do I need now? Love. <laughs> so I went looking for a woman. Found one real quick. Around the same time realized that the event job wasn't for me. You know, waking up. Going to sleep when the sun is coming up. Versus waking up when the sun was coming up. Hmm. I couldn't do that. So I found two jobs as a wilderness or a hiking and a paddling guide. And they required me to be at the job site at 6.30 in the morning. <laughs> so, so I was uh, up at 5.30 instead of going to bed at 7.30 a.m. Uh-huh. And it's it really started to... You know, getting back in nature got me in touch with myself so much. Being with this woman got me back in touch with love so much. And then both of us decided, like, what are we doing in Hawaii? At the time, I was 26 years old. I had never lived anywhere else. And in my opinion, the United States wasn't doing so hot. So I told myself and the woman I was with, yo, if we want to stay in the United States, like, let's go there. To me, the words I used in my own brain was to fall back in love with the United States. Because if I'm not in love with the country that I'm in, why am I participating in its culture? Mm -hmm. So, you know, long story short, things between her and I ended. And for two years, I carried on on the West Coast in the van by myself, changing with the seasons. Mm -hmm. And that's where all of the learnings about meditation came into play really self-awareness and coming to fall deeper in love with myself and that was a huge gift of the relationship that I was in when I said I all I need is love now and went searching for this woman she helped me find it in myself Mm -hmm.
0: yeah I love those kinds of stories especially when when looking back on them you see that how pivotal of of a moment that was because when you're going through it it's you don't really know it's I think it's mostly instinctual We talk a lot about rites of passage, and there's something I believe that stirs in all of us that knows I need to do something. I need to get away from the familiar. I need to walk into the unknown for some reason. Mm. Without having that clarity, without knowing why, especially if there's no community to let you know why that's important. I know that's what happened for me when I decided to leave the East Coast and went my first journey west when I was twenty-two years old, when I went to New Mexico and I was on the Navajo reservation working in the hospital there. And Just that sense of I need to go somewhere different. I need to just do something different and get away from all of this. I think it's archetypal. I also think it's important for young men to have that experience of going out into the unknown, seeing who you are when all you have is the world that does not yet know you to reflect it back. What shows up? What does it feel like to spend time by myself? That was one of the most uncomfortable things for me was to be by myself, to be with myself because I was more than happy to be in the company of other people. But the time that I spent by myself, I just knew it was uncomfortable. I didn't want to do it. And then when I started to do it, I realized it was because there were there wasn't a lot that I really liked about myself. All I could see were the things that I didn't like about myself at the time. So I've talked to a lot of young guys and I see that many of them, especially these days, we get boxed in, we get kind of locked into the comfort of home with mom and dad, then next stage, go to college, but you still come home every semester. And then after college, oh, you didn't get a job right away. Well, let's just come and live with mom and dad for a little bit. And number one, we we throw a lot of shame on that, that, that young folks should figure out a different way. But we also don't really encourage these young people to go out and explore the world. I know I didn't really feel prepared to do that. And when I finally did it, it was a huge like, I remember driving across the country in my little Mitsubishi Eclipse, just crying because I was feeling the distance from everything that was familiar. So I love that part of your story where, you know, the instincts kicked in. You said, I don't love this country. I want to fall back in love with it. Uh, Now I'm back on the road in the van. It doesn't work out with the lady. And here I am by myself. And then you find yourself in that situation. What do you think you learned most about yourself in that window of time where you were, moving with the seasons and alone, what were some of the biggest insights you had? I love being
1: around people. I love having conversations with human beings or stranger. I am sort of unique in a way, at least in my mind, where I'm very low maintenance. You know, I'm just like boiling potatoes and eating the essentials for survival kind of a thing. Not really traveling super far, but really engaging in physical. I spent a lot of time meditating, and a lot of time rock climbing, and a lot of time reading. Mm. Otherwise, I didn't do a whole lot. Mm-hmm. I was it was me in nature, and yeah, I I think what I discovered was that I really love being alone. Mm. Like, there's a part of me that loves being outside by myself. Mm. <laughs> as as you may know, <laughs> yeah.
0: Well, and and I know for myself, I didn't really appreciate that until. I had children. <laughs> so if you don't figure it out by the time you have kids, you definitely begin to, I know for myself, I definitely began to appreciate that alone time. And really, like I said, for me, the, the biggest obstacle was just being willing to spend time with myself, being willing to see the things that I didn't want to see your face off with. And the people that I encountered along my travels and my journey helped me to see the value and the benefit of that being around people who prioritized solo time. That seemed so, contradictory to what I thought life was supposed to be about around, I was very heavily community oriented and wanted to bring people together and make connections. Uh, and then all along, I was avoiding the connection with myself. So I think that's, um, you know, for all the guys out there, if you haven't ever had that experience, I say that I have this like ongoing list of things I think that every human being should do. Obviously we talk about men all the time, but every human being should have an experience where you go, Somewhere like travel to a place that is completely foreign completely unknown to you by yourself for a period of time I think that it should be at least a month But maybe several months maybe years where you go somewhere different and just see what the world mirrors back to you I remember, I'll never forget the first time that I drove in and landed in a town that I was gonna be for a few months and the first encounter I had was with the security guard at the hospital named Mia and within we probably spent two hours together. She was giving me a little tour of the town and just showing me around. I could tell that she knew nothing about me other than what I was showing up with. And by the time that we parted, she was I could tell that she wanted to get to know me more. And that said everything to me, that I can go out into the world and people will see something in me that will make them want to know more, That will that will make them engage with me. And Maybe there will be people who don't want that, but there are people who exist other than my family members and people who've known me for a long time who will want to make a relationship with me in one capacity or another. So I think that's a really important thing to venture out into that unknown and see what we discover and see what we can find out about ourselves, not be so scared of seeing what we learn. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Not being scared of seeing what we learn now. That's a
1: good one. Mm hmm. Yeah, being alone, you noticed that there was a lot that you didn't like being with. Mm -hmm. And I think that's going to be true for everyone. Don't take my word for that. But Mm -hmm. there was a lot that I saw that I wasn't super happy about, super proud of. And then started to develop almost a shame around, Mm -hmm. you know, and there's only so many people in my life at the time that I could talk to about these kinds of things.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. But I got really good at talking to strangers Mm -hmm. because that's all I had around me. So I got really good at being vulnerable with people who I didn't really know with. So Mm -hmm. I think that's a superpower, too, because now I'm a pretty open book. If I just meet you, we could talk about just about anything. and It would be Mm -hmm. uncomfortable, and I'm okay with that.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. Well, that's another thing I think is a really important thing for people to develop is that we talk about self-love, we talk about self-care, we talk about self-confidence. And to me, all three of those things are very closely woven together like a braid. They're they're part of the fabric that makes us strong human beings. Because mm. if I love myself enough that I don't need any external validation from anybody, if I care for myself enough to do the things that, like the the daily maintenance on my body, my mind, and my spirit to make me feel good. And then also feel confident in who I am so that I can venture out into the world and know that I'll be okay. I don't need people. And I think there's a difference between needing people and desiring to be around them. That's important. So along the the line of this solo journey, I learned a lot of those three things by traveling out into the world in the different ways that I did. And I learned that I was dependent on a lot of people to make me feel loved, to take care of me, to tell me that I was a good person, a smart person, someone who was really important that built up my confidence. But as soon as those people went away or as soon as they weren't around, it took all the air out of my balloon. Mm. So weaving those things together by having some time on my own really enabled me to go into those conversations with strangers now, where I'm not needing you to love me. I'm not needing you to take care of me. I'm not needing you to tell me things so that I feel better and more confident about myself. I can simply just be here. And it's either going to draw you in closer, or it's going to make you go away. And (gasps) either way, I'm going to be fine. Such a huge experience to have. And that, to me, is part of the work we do without without jumping too far ahead, because I like how we're tracking your story here. To me, that's why We have the vulnerable conversations. That's why we practice sitting in circles with men and sharing our deepest wounds, our most vulnerable places, and seeing that it doesn't necessarily repel people. Because to me, that's a version of loving myself. Do I love myself enough to acknowledge all of me? Mm -hmm. It's definitely caring for myself. I don't know if there's a better way to care for myself than to excavate the parts of me that I've hidden for so long. And I certainly feel more confident when I can tell you the deepest, darkest truths about my being and stand in them. Not hide away or tense up, but just air it out, breathe into my stomach, keep my head up and my eyes up, meeting people with eye contact and then saying, okay, I just told you about that. And here I am. I'm still all right. Mm -hmm. Having that experience goes such a long way.
1: When I hear that, I hear... The thing that comes to mind is skunk medicine, right? <laughs> like <laughs> the, stink the stink will repel. You know what? What we allow to shine out of us will repel people who don't resonate with it, and it will attract like-minded individuals. So, it's a superpower that all of us have. You know, if if you want to spend more time with people that I don't know how to word it other than you you vibe with, like be yourself, mm-hmm. authentically. <laughs>
0: And so let's zoom ahead a little bit. Now, here we are following you on your journey with the van and you've been solo for a while, moving back and forth with the seasons. How much time passed from when you broke up with the woman you were with to when you encountered the first men's circle organization that you became a part of? Two years 2 years. Two so you're years. kind of on this like nomadic yeah. sprinter van monk life journey. Exactly. And then what what happened? What what brought that chapter to a close?
1: Oh, my best friend from birth, I, I mean Selena and her partner Ryan got married in Maui. Mm-hmm. And she and I, you know, grew up across the street from each other, took baths together as children. Our parents were like, these two are going to get married for one another. <laughs> Selena and Ryan are going to get married. And they were right about that. She got (laughs) married to Ryan. It just wasn't me. (laughs) But witnessing their their wedding, really, I started to believe in a deeper love again. Mm. You know, I was able to observe myself on a deeper level through all the meditations and things that i had been practicing and put that into practical application with people that i knew and loved versus strangers Mm. was a big difference and for those people that i knew and loved for my entire life for them to see the way that i was behaving and being now there's something about the accumulation of that weekend that just blasted my heart open in such a huge way I met a woman at the wedding, of course, and, you know, went to Los Angeles just to surprise her because I wasn't doing a whole lot uh, in my personal life. My grandma lives in Los Angeles and had just fallen and hurt her ankles. So, you know, I figured I'm going to be there. Might as well surprise this beautiful woman and see what this connection is all about. And when I landed Off the airplane, just like, you know, mindlessly opened up my phone to check Instagram, and the first thing that popped up was this man, Alexander Hill's face, saying like, full day intensive, Santa Monica Beach, be there, and if you can't afford it, DM me, and we'll get you there. So, I DM'd him, and the next day, I was in a full day men's retreat that I had never even thought about in my entire life before. And there was eye gazing, there was breath work. We were doing like movement, energy work, these kinds of things. Mm. When the sun went down, we went to his place, we got in the ice and then we sat around a fire and all of us just went like 20 layers deeper into the deepest, darkest, most vulnerable parts of us. Mm. And Mm. I fell in love with that. Mm. I was still in my van. He needed some help running the show and so I volunteered my services to help him out with his six month old kid and his family and the property and helping out with the weekly, what they called fire and ice events.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So from not doing or knowing anything about men's work to like being the peon and the facilitations of it in literally one showing, mm-hmm. I was sold so quickly. It was accumulation of how I always see it in my mind still is accumulation of my life experiences through spirituality or when I was a child, religion, Boy Scouts in the wilderness aspects of things being outdoors and around a fire with people and then martial arts growing up in the dojo and bringing those movement practices, Qigong, all of these into the space as well, tied in with being in deep conversation with men which is something that i had never experienced before because mm-hmm. when i talk about boy scouts and the way i communed with brothers in that space like large in part it was just messing around you know we were being kids mm-hmm. we were having a good time
0: yeah and so from the day of this recording to that day-long intensive you did with alexander how, how long ago was that the fall of 2019 two years ago Okay, so yeah, almost two years ago. It's
1: been about two years since I've been introduced to Menzwick.
0: Okay, so two years. All right, just to give everyone context for where we're about to go next, because now we like jump into the Millennium Falcon and go to like <laughs> warp speed. <laughs> All of the moments in your life that led you up to that first day intensive with Alexander and Man Tribe, then filling in the blanks. So you were with Alexander and then found out about... Call the warrior soon after that. Correct.
1: Yeah, one of his events, Casey Shepard and right and uh, Kelly Gardner were at, and they're mm-hmm. like, "We're going to learn the haka tomorrow." Mm-hmm. And me coming from the islands, it was right. like, "Dude, I've got to do this." It's called Call of the Warrior, and I'm real tapped into my magician and my lover. I got zero warrior in me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was was my perceived thought. Right. I know that not to be true now, mm-hmm. but they hit me up. I was an instant sell. I was there Mm -hmm. so quickly. I think I was the first one who showed up. I rode my bicycle over there. (laughs) Didn't have a clue what I was getting into and rolled up on the beach before the sun was even up and saw your face and Mm -hmm. a couple other guys. And just like, man, the power, the presence that I felt from you and from the collective of men that were there, I still hold. The relationships that I built with 30 guys that were there almost. Mm-hmm. I talked to most of them still.
2: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: And we move a lot further
0: from from Call of the Warrior. Um, just kind of zooming through that. You came out for Call of the Warrior and made that connection and it wasn't long after that that you were signed up to come out with us to fast for Compass for the first time. So just to touch on that without going too deeply into the story, what did what did that mark for you? For for anyone out there who hasn't or isn't familiar with Compass, it's a four-day wilderness rites of passage that we offer where it incorporates some uh, an element of solo fasting for four days without food in the wilderness by yourself. So coming out of your journey, you kind of, like I said, hit warp speed, and all of a sudden here you are in the desert with us getting ready to fast for four days, especially with what you said before about not being another man who really didn't enjoy spending time by himself originally. Hmm. So what did... What did that represent for you? What did that really mark for you?
1: A beginning in sorts without sounding too cheesy. Like that's where I actually physically buried myself in the earth when I was there and performed almost like a death ritual for myself, incorporating the Haka into it and the breathwork into it, all the pieces that I had learned. That experience to me was really like a why I'm living kind of thing. You know, it reminded me, why I'm here. And there's still nuggets of gold that are being uncovered to this day that I am experiencing from that time, you know, like the proximity of how close my camp was to everybody. I was able to see and or hear everybody that was involved. And I wasn't making that a prerogative of mine, but I don't know, just the way that I see how I am now and how close I like to be with community and with the people around me. I think it's very fitting that the campsite that i chose was close by the biggest lesson that i learned in that four-day experience was self-discipline is an act of self-love i hadn't even been brushing my teeth before you know before before that you know my my mental health my physical health wasn't in a terrible place thanks to my upbringing but definitely not in the best shape i could have been in i'm still not quite there but It taught me I got to treat myself with love and with respect if I want to go anywhere in life. It allowed me to go even layers deeper in vulnerability, you know, to sit around a fire with the seven, the eight of us and to dive into sexuality in a way that I never had before. To cry and be received by a bunch of men in a way that I had never been received before. Like, Mm -hmm. it just gave me a deeper reverence for life itself Mm. for the people that i spend my time with like if i'm not spending time with people of this caliber that are up leveling me and growing me in my life why am i spending time with them kind of a train of thought
0: you know sure yeah and i think that's the part of the journey of becoming a man where we start to refine our focus, right? All this energy that we have coming into manhood, this wild, adventurous energy that is, it's like it's scattered in directions like buckshot, right? It's like it just goes all over the place. And then little by little, we start to hone it into this really precise arrow Mm. that we fire from the barrel. And that's not an overnight process by any means. You know, I think it's actually several years, you know, of really honing and developing that in just being a witness of your journey you know for filling in the objective perspective the outside perspective the third person perspective of your journey i remember meeting you on the beach that day and being like who is this guy (laughs) who's this like tall lean muscular guy bringing a bike onto the beach (laughs) who brings a road bike onto the beach and then just you know witnessing you and seeing how effortlessly you, you leaned in and jumped into things i would have never known so much of your backstory and what you had underneath there. But in those moments around the fire and in the in the months after that led you into the fire circles and to become a bigger part of the community and eventually becoming a part of the leadership power team for Rising Man, just seeing you continue to step up and lean into that was just really impressive to me. To the point where it was obvious that this was something that you believed in. You believed in in this way, not just for yourself, but for other men. And it's really cool to see the evolution of that journey just in this, in this moment where we're reflecting on the different chapters of the book that led up to that point in time to where one day I give you the call and say, hey, Ryan, I need somebody to step up and help us out here. And, and here you are today serving as the head fire chief for our online Rising Man Fire Circle community. So just, just thinking about that, just thinking about where you are now compared to where you were two years ago. This this journey into men's work began two years ago. What's, what's the biggest thing that stands out to you? Responsibility
1: comes to mind. The word responsibility comes to mind, you know. Mm-hmm. Two years ago, living in a van, the only thing I had to take care of was myself, mm. you know, and the van for a little bit. Make sure she's got enough diesel, those kinds of things, but... I didn't have any focus on anything, you know? It was wake up, what do I feel like doing? I don't know, let's climb, or I don't know, let's go to the beach. To now, it's like, you know, I have a list of things to get done. I have people that I'm, for lack of a better word, responsible for and ensuring that they're getting what they need out of life. And to me, that's, you know, that is what being a man is. in a a big way is like i said being a provider in in certain ways shapes or forms you know it doesn't have to be financial or monetary but i have gifts and if i don't give those gifts to the world in some way shape or form they're gonna die in a box Mm -hmm. and nobody will ever receive them Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and that just seems wasteful yeah well it's been really cool to reflect on that journey and here you are, you know, coordinating a community of I think we're back up to over 50 guys almost in the fire circles. And so having seen the value of that experience that yourself and now being someone who oversees a community of men who are showing up to do exactly the work that we've been talking about for the past 45 minutes. What would you say to those folks out there who don't really even who haven't had that experience yet, who have maybe been listening to the podcast and haven't jumped into The community in a bigger way yet i mean the
1: answer to me is kind of simple jump in Mm -hmm. you know if you find yourself listening to let's well specifically with this podcast if you find yourself listening to it and when you hear the intros or the exit stuff fire circle conversation comes up and something in your heart sparks like that's to me is an indicator that you should jump in And that goes for every other experience. You know, if there's a pretty girl at the bar that you want to say hi to and your heart gets moving in some way, shape or form, do the thing like follow your heart. Mm -hmm. That's the the one thing I have to say to myself often and always. And the only unsolicited advice I will gladly dole out to any human being, follow
0: Mm -hmm. your heart. Mm -hmm. And just speak to also because there's many different ways that people can jump into a community what would you say is different about what you and I and the rest of the guys with Rising Man have been creating, especially in the fire circles? What's the difference in culture from your perspective?
1: Well, it's, it's a really beautiful thing. I find that I get to help create the framework for this culture. And you know, for me, the fire circle space is a way to grow and develop myself so that I can be a better leader outside of the virtual space in the physical community that I have, as well as incorporate, we live in a digital world now. Like we can have best friends overseas. We can talk to people, if they lived on the moon, we could talk to people who lived on the moon right now. And I say all of that because I wanna live in that kind of world, right? A world without borders, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And I've gotten to taste that, you know, I, I've gotten to go on this bike ride and stay with people that I had only known virtually. I had such a resentment to the virtual community before, such a a distancing from the virtual space in general before because of the way I had used it in the past. And to have developed this new relationship with it and utilizing technology as a tool, it just makes so much sense to connect with people that resonate. Mm -hmm. So the men in the space, in the fire circle space, to me are all men who are there to grow in their leadership and to grow in their purpose.
2: Mm.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I love the way you broke it down so simply. That's and what I want to be a part of. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and also that to me, there's that element of creating relationships that last and, and what that requires to, to invest in those relationships and really make them count. It's not something that you get just by, you can't go purchase that at a store. You have to water it right It's like a, it's like a, a plant. it's like it's like a succulent, you know that, that requires consistent conditions over time for it really to mature and grow. And even succulents right they only flower like once a year and it takes so much energy for that plant to do that. But it, relationships in my opinion are more like that. They don't just pop up and spring out of the ground really quickly because we want them to like weeds right Our relationships are not like weeds. They're more, they require more than that. And to have the kind of people, especially in this day and age that you can count on, that you can lean on, that you can go 20 layers deep with, like you said before, it requires certain types of soil, requires a certain type of space, requires certain types of nutrients that you pour and add into that mixture, that concoction, to develop and grow. And that's what we've been creating here. And that's what I've I've loved watching you oversee, because you have so much attention on what are the proper conditions of this soil to get the most out of it for each man who plants himself in it? Mm, thank um, you. Yeah. So, so yeah, man, it's been really cool to track this journey and trace it for you. I mean, I'm so excited to see I imagine where we might be if we had this conversation a year from now, just looking at your, cause you're like on the fast track, man, you know, from in just two years, right? It's amazing how you go from a all the way through the alphabet and making a loop around again, but here you are. Just to wrap things up and put a bow on it, is there anything else that you want to make sure that you express to the men of our community who are going to listen to this?
1: To the men of our community, when you say that, I think of the Fire Circles specifically. The biggest thing I got to say to the Fire Circle members is that I really love and appreciate each and every one of them. Mm. Like The way that I see the men showing up for themselves and for each other has been massive, and it allows me to show up in a bigger way. There's a story that I tell myself in my head that I'm unworthy of these things, but I'm here. Mm -hmm. So if I want to feel worthy of it, I get to make the progressive steps to allow that succulent to blossom. Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm not tending the, if I'm not tending the soil, like you said, if I'm not watering the plants, then how do I expect them to flower? Mm -hmm. And so for the men of the community who are listening, thank you for your patience. Thank you for trusting me to help aid in your blooming Hmm. for anybody
0: else. who's listening. (laughs) Follow your (laughs) heart.
1: Plain and simple.
0: Love it. All right. Well, a couple of uh, rapid fire questions and then I'll, and then I'll let you go here. So what's one thing you've learned in your life where you wish you knew when you were 18 years old,
1: release expectations. That's what I would tell myself. That's the lesson that I'm still learning is to, release expectations and that comes in a lot of different ways shapes and forms but mostly it's me thinking that i can be at step z without going through the alphabet
0: like Mm -hmm. you were just saying awesome and what do you think is the most important value to have as a man this is so funny discipline
2: Mm -hmm.
1: (laughs) and why are you laughing because it's something that i get to work on every day Mm
0: -hmm. awesome And last but not least, where should people go if they want to connect with you? What's the best way to connect with you, to connect with you in the Fire Circle community? Where do you want people to go to follow up? You know, I haven't really been super active
1: on social media. And when you asked me about this uh, interview, I was like, oh man, I got to start up my stuff (laughs) again. I'm at rywilcox8 on Instagram, but I think really... If people want to get in touch with me, if people want to contact me, the best way to do that is to find me in the physical. <laughs> I, I live in Santa Cruz right now. You know, if if you're a man and you're looking for leadership and purpose, you can find me in the fire circle space. But for the most part, I'm doing my best to be present
0: physically. So... Mm-hmm. Nice. We'll we'll drop a pin and people there. Can, can follow the GPS. <laughs> Absolutely <find> not. <laughs> awesome, man. Well, I love you very much and I really appreciate who you are. And it's been really eye-opening for me just to have this conversation and really sit back and reflect on, on and appreciate your journey. Just two years, man. Like We've not even known each other for two full years yet. And here you are in, in all the ways that you said. Such wonderful friend and brother and partner and what we're doing together and what we're creating and an uncle and a family member it's it's really beautiful man uh you've taught me a lot just by being around and i appreciate you period
1: yeah thanks Debbie.
0: Alright, y'all, I hope you enjoyed that episode. Make sure you cruise over to risingman.org and check out all the resources that we have linked to this episode and every other episode, as well as all our programs and course offerings. Make sure you get yourself more involved in the community because you can get a lot out of listening to the podcast, but the real work comes from stepping in. So go check it out. Please subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to us and check out our YouTube channel, youtube.com/slash the rising man movement. If you don't already follow us on our social medias, make sure you go to Instagram at risingman movement and check us out today. Big ups to the Rising Man power team, my leadership team, and the whole Rising Man community out there because without you, we ain't got nothing. Thank you for everything that you do. Until next time, rise up and claim your destiny.